This is In Her Words, for Gatherer Entertainment, where budding Tisch students read you the great op-eds, articles, and content you might have missed. Today's episode features the voices of Amelia Annan, Paul Malakal, and me, Emma Baxter, recreating a segment from historian Michael Beschloss's TV documentary on Lady Bird Johnson. It was featured on Jim Lehrer's NewsHour on July 11, 2007, and transcribed by PBS. It all began so beautifully. We were going into Dallas in the lead car. President and Mrs. Kennedy, John and Ellie, and then a Secret Service car, and then our car. So began Lady Bird's diary of her White House years, as she recalled the searing moments that took her husband into the presidency. Nellie Connolly. I turned around and said to him, Mr. President, you can't say Dallas doesn't love you. And there was a second or two, and I heard this noise. At Parkland Hospital, Lady Bird found Mrs. Kennedy alone in a small hallway. I don't think I'd ever saw anybody so much alone in my life. And then I went in to see Nellie. Miss Connolly. And she just opened her arms and flew into them. And I cried. For the first time, I cried and cried in her arms. And she said, Nellie, we have to go back to Washington. Liz Carpenter. And so we did, to Air Force One taken aboard this silent and sobbing plane. Mrs. Kennedy's shaking was now aboard. She stood by Johnson as he was sworn in. I do solemnly swear. I do solemnly swear. That I will faithfully execute. That I will faithfully execute. The office of president. Nellie Connolly. Imagine, if you can, that you have the president and the first lady in your state. That you're entertaining them. That he's assassinated and that you become president and first lady. That's a pretty big load to carry. The first thing I was aware of was that sea of faces stretching away on every side. I wanted to cry for them and with them, but it wasn't possible to permit the catharsis of tears. I don't know quite why, except that perhaps continuity of strength demands it. Lady Bird said she had been thrust onto a stage for part I never rehearsed. From her first day as First Lady, she knew she'd always be compared to Jacqueline Kennedy. She knew that, when people looked at her in Linden, they really wanted to see Jack and Jackie. She said that in her diary. Almost every day, she spoke into her tape recorder, confiding her experiences and feelings. The result is the most complete self-portrait of a First Lady we've got. Years later, portions were published as a book. Liz Carpenter. And that book is, I think, the best record of a family living that go on in the White House, next to the very scant Abigail Adams letter about this house was built for the ages. The diary reveals an LBJ who needed his wife's counsel more than ever. Tom Johnson. What we knew at all times was that she was the most trusted, most loyal, most dependable person that President Johnson could turn to on uh, any issue, but her presence was never one of intruding. Mrs. Johnson understood that, though she was smarter and quicker and better read than most of the men she was encountering, she had to have this kind of facade, or whatever it is you want to call it, to make it things work. But it made her effective. I didn't want to get in there and take authority and run the show. And I think he listened to me with a very considerable respect. 
But I think he came to, as just the whole United States came to, value the women's role more. He would often call her after a public event or even when she was in another city to get her critique of the speech. You want to listen for about one minute to my critique? Would you rather wait until tonight? Yes, ma'am, I'm willing now. Your looks were splendid. During the statement, you were a little breathless and there was a little too much looking down. And I think it was a little too fast. They didn't know what to cut out. In general, I'd say it was a good B+. How do you feel about it? I thought it was much better than last week. In spite of his wife's coaching, Lyndon Johnson would never be a television star. But behind the scenes, he twisted arms more effectively than almost any other president. LBJ called on Congress to attack poverty and racial prejudice. He named his program The Great Society. The Civil Rights Act of 1964 is signed at the White House by President Johnson. In July 1964, just seven months in office, LBJ signed the historic Civil Rights Bill to open hotels and restaurants to blacks. Both Johnson and Lady Bird were committed to civil rights in spite of the political risk. The only way we can survive is to destroy the Civil Rights Bill and all of its backers. White Southerners were furious at LBJ. The president felt that even blacks didn't seem to appreciate what he had done. Depressed, he told an aide that perhaps a Southerner could not unite the country. I do not believe I can physically and mentally uh, carry the responsibilities of the bomb and the world and the Negroes in the South, and I know my own limitation, but they think I want great power. All I want is great solace, a little love. That's all I want. Linda Johnson Robb, their daughter. Daddy sounded tough but was really a softy. Mother didn't show emotion, and if you hurt her feelings, she wouldn't let you know. Daddy had highs and lows, and they were always very evident. Mother was very even-keeled, and kind of very velvet. Holed up in his bedroom, Johnson told Lady Bird he was ready to quit, but she had seen these depressions before. She wrote him a letter and told him to pull up his socks. Beloved, you are as brave a man as Harry Truman, or FDR, or Lincoln. To step out now would be very wrong for your country. I can see nothing but a lonely wasteland for your future. Jan Jarbo Russell. In the South, we have a very much loved him. There is a balm in Gilead. And I think that Mrs. Johnson was a balm for President Johnson. And Lord knows, this is a man with a tortured soul who needed a balm. Bolstered by his wife, Johnson accepted the Democratic presidential nomination. And Lyndon Baines Johnson was nominated by acclamation. His Republican opponent was Barry Goldwater, a conservative senator who was eager to get votes from the angry white South. Lady Bird was proud of her Southern heritage and of what her husband had done for civil rights. She wanted to reach out to her people, white Southerners, so she decided to make a four-day whistle-stop tour, the Lady Bird Special, through some of the angriest states in the South. This was the first time a president's wife had campaigned on her own for her husband. In an accent that sounded just like theirs, she told Southern voters that it was time to end segregation and join the modern world. Although you might not like all I say, at least you understand the way I say. Jan Jarbo Russell. The FBI had received so many bomb threats about her whistle-stop campaign that a train went ahead of her own train and swept the tracks. And this is another example of her moral courage, because she went where her husband couldn't go. 
Placard said, Blackbird, go home. Hecklers tried to drown her out. Just a moment, please. Just a moment. This is a free country, and I respect your right to your opinion. Now will you give me just one minute to finish this? There was nothing to do, except just kind of hold your head up and smile and keep on talking. It would have just been very, very wrong to have shown any evidence of concern or fear. Very bad idea it would have been. When the Ladybird special reached New Orleans, a proud president was waiting. Liz Carpenter. He was so grateful to her. At the end of the trail, he just couldn't stop hugging her. The Johnsons spent election night 1964 in Austin at the Driscoll Hotel. Exactly 30 years after their marriage, they had come back to the very place they had first met. That evening, they enjoyed the greatest presidential victory in modern times. The White House would really be theirs. Two weeks later, LBJ gave his wife a surprise party at the White House for their 30th anniversary. They were dancing, and he whispered to her, Well, you've come a long way from that purple dress. The Johnsons didn't know it that night, but for the next four years, there would be few such happy moments. Much later, Lady Bird told me, The first year or two in the White House were wine and roses, but by the end it was pure hell. This has been Gatherer Entertainment's In Her Words. Today's episode featured Amelia Annan, Paul Malakal, and me, Emma Baxter, recreating a segment from Michael Bachelas' 2007 TV documentary on Lady Bird Johnson. In Her Words is executive produced by Jenna Siegel through Siegel NYC Productions. 